everyone. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours. We're your hosts, Cassie, Nathan, and Christian, here to take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. In these first few weeks of winter term, we're zooming in specifically on the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the Spirit's role in transforming our character to become more like Christ. Today, we'll be looking at the Spirit's role in strengthening community. And next week, we'll be talking about how the Spirit wants to empower us to witness boldly for Christ. As we start off today, I just want to point out that what we referred to as the gifts of the Spirit are different from the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about in last week's episode. Even though both do come from the Spirit, they have different purposes. The fruit of the Spirit are given for personal sanctification, while the gifts of the Spirit serve another purpose. So, before we dig into a specific list of spiritual gifts in Scripture, let's take a moment to define what we're talking about. Who are the gifts of the Spirit given to, and why are they given? Yeah, so, the it's crazy, the gifts of the Spirit. I always, this question of who are they given to, I think it's actually kind of a tricky question. Because um, it's kind of a sense in the, in the Bible that the gift is given to the person who does something crazy. So a spiritual gift being like, you know, the word is charisma, which means like a grace gift. It's like something God graces somebody with. Um, so, you know, we hear a lot of things about maybe somebody prays for somebody and that person gets healed. You know, um, I heard a story yesterday about a person who came upon a person with a, a broken leg and, um, and this guy prayed for him and then the guy's leg was healed, you know? And so, a lot of times the Bible talks about the gift of healing is given to that person who prayed, you know, that um, I have the gift of healing, you know, when I pray for somebody, they're healed, you know, that kind of a sense. Um, but what's interesting, I think, is like the gift actually was given to the guy with the broken leg, you know, like the guy with the broken legs, the one with the with the healed leg. So so it's a, it's a dynamic thing, you know, we often... I think in a, as Americans, we were looking for different kind of merit badges, different kind of things to like pump up our identity. Like I have this gift, I have this thing. Um, when ultimately these gifts aren't supposed to be something that's static for a person mm-hmm. or an identi- identity marker, they're supposed to be something that's given to someone else. They're gifts to extend to another. Um, you know that in First Corinthians 12, in the beginning of it, it talks about God gives us these these grace gifts, these um, charisma, um, like healing, like wisdom, different things like that, for the common good, for the building up of others, and for people to see who Jesus is. And um, so I think it's just something that's given to a community. It's given to a person to heal them. And we are blessed to be part of the process as being a facilitator of God's grace, you know, praying or, or speaking into something. Um, in a pretty mysterious and pretty cool way. Yeah, I think it highlights God's cooperative nature, right? Like as Jesus is praying for people, they're uh, they're experiencing God's presence in some pretty miraculous ways. And he's doing the same with us, right? So he's giving us things to build up the church, um, to giving us things to give away, really. Um, I've heard it phrased as um, like we're called to be UPS delivery drivers, Right. Like someone gives you a gift. God gives you this gift through the spirit. And then your job is to pass that on to the proper recipient. Um, And so I think that really speaks to God's nature. He wants us to participate with him in the work of building the kingdom, um, which looks like giving gifts to people in this way. Yeah, I think that the, the gifts of the spirit are similar to what you're saying, Cassie, are like these things that were given and they're actually not meant to be kept, mm-hmm. I think, in some ways. Um, I, th- You know, there's they're an act of grace, they're an ac- extension of God's kindness, and in turn we're meant to extend them as acts of kindness towards the body and towards even non-believers, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're apparatuses in which the Lord ten, uh, wants to use in order to bring people to him. Um, and also edify those who are already with him um, and uh, and uh, encourage and, and lift them up. Um, and there's and I think one of the important things about who are they given to, they're given to everyone and or not everyone, sorry, like but they're given to a very wide range of people, all believers uh, have gifts. Some of them are less noticed than others and such. 
But one of the things I, I would highlight is that they're given to broken people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen people who are, I've, I know people who are very uh, gifted people in various capacities, but they're very selfish with their gift. Um, they tend to, uh, you know, use it not for the encouragement of Christ uh, or for the um, glorification of Christ, but actually for the glorification of themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think about like some, you know, televangelists who are, quite gifted speakers, I would say, very good communicators, but they tend to hoard money for themselves. But then I think of Mother Teresa, who actually considers herself to be very ungifted in a number of ways. And we're actually like, she's actually incredibly gifted. But she's like, but I am I just give the little that I have. And she doesn't keep anything for herself in the process. And she believes that she believed that all things were for the Lord um, and such. And so I, I think my uh, for who the gifts are for it's 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 for broken people and it's for those it's to help broken people become unbroken in a way um spiritually mm-hmm. um and understanding like the variety of ways of uh in how god's the spirit the gifts of the spirit are a way in which we can understand um how god wants to use us and how god wants to interact with us um yeah yeah, and you can see through the whole New Testament, I mean, even the whole Bible, like God does these miraculous things. He just does these miraculous things and he uses people, whether he mm-hmm. uses Moses to lead um, the people out of Egypt or to speak plagues over Egypt or um, mm-hmm. or Elijah or Elisha to heal leprosy or to, or to raise somebody from the dead or, um, or you know, Jesus in the... In his ministry, he would go into towns and he would heal so many people. And he would cast out demons, people that had been afflicted um, and they didn't know why they they did things. And um, they did wrong things and they were wayward to God. And he he changes them overnight. He changes their personality by casting out these demons. And Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, you know, he knows things about people and without them telling him. Um, without him ever being told, he uh, there's all these miracles, and the result is, is people come back to God, mm-hmm. that God is glorified, and um, and ultimately in in Jesus's case, people see Jesus as really important and really special, but later when the church would do all these miracles, it always went to the glory of Jesus and always went to the glory of God, and a reconnection of people to God and a strengthening of God's community. And so these gifts really are um, not meant to, to build up any one person mm-hmm. as much as um, bring people back to God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing, just to add to that variety of like just how much of a grace it actually is, is like God is quite spontaneous in its use. So like, like you know, you listed uh, a number of people from the Old Testament who God gave gifts to, but like even some... Uh, non-believers like Balaam, like God gifted something to for mm-hmm. his glory. Um, and there's a number of others, but I, I don't, that's the first one that comes to mind is like God can even use like the non-believer to convict the believer. Yeah. Um, or a donkey. Oh, or a donkey. <laughs> or a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, um, um, and it's all, uh, God uses who he wants and he uses quote unquote tools, these gifts to bring about like his kingdom mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it's a grace. And I think one of the things about graces is that I think uh, when you look at the life of Christ, um, something I learned from the, the death of Christ is that Christ is a grace that God gave us, right? Jesus's life is a grace that God gave us. And ultimately that grace, that kindness was abused by people. And so one thing that I, I, I really, I, I think is, is that we're given graces and sometimes people abuse those graces. Um, sometimes, you know, Balaam gets a donkey to talk to him and then he beats the donkey. Yeah. You know, he doesn't like what's being said. Um, the Israels are given many prophets and then they really don't like their prophets, you know, and. But then there's others who receive it. You know, there's the Samaritan woman, um, the woman at the well, uh, uh, 
just a whole, the whole host of people that Jesus touches in his life. And so it's a, um, our orientation towards how we receive graces is, is really fundamental to how we interact with God, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think that's true. So let's move on to our next question. Um, there's several texts in the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts, so I can name a few of those. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. Um, but today we're going to look at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, and then we'll talk about that. So starting with verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And this is Paul speaking. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so... Paul says that there are different kinds of gifts that are distributed by the Spirit. So how does the Spirit distribute them? Because Paul doesn't really explain what that looks like. Yeah, I I mean, just kind of one thing that I think about this verse, which is really important, like, you know, how does the Spirit distribute them? But I think it's even really important just to notice that it is the Spirit who distributes them. You know, this verse starts out with... um, them talking about the pagans used to worship these mute idols. Um, and these idols, you know, when people worship an idol, the, everything is like a projection mm-hmm. that we put on the idol and, and we end up being trapped by this by this idol or by this thing we worship. And the odd thing is, is this, this idol has no power. It's, it's useless. It doesn't speak. But we end up like forming ourselves into the image that we worship. Um, but here, the opposite is we don't have, you know, when we worship the Spirit, when we worship God, we are worshiping someone who speaks powerfully and who will speak through us. And so so ultimately, there's this huge contrast being given here that, that you know, these they used to worship idols that did nothing. And now they're worshiping a God who who makes them speak, who makes them who who makes who gives us the gifts to act through us in ways that we can't understand, um, and that that these gifts are ultimately like an expression of God's activity, um, which shows He is not mute. We are not worshiping an idol. We're not worshiping an idea. God acts. You know, no human being you know has the capacity to heal somebody on their own. Like when somebody prays for somebody who have a broken leg. There's nothing within the person that enables them to have that person's leg be healed. It's the work of the Spirit, that God is ultimately the one who does that. And so this is just an expression of the life and activity of God. You know, I know that was like a little off from your question, but, um, but you know, I just think it's important to talk about that. But, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm reminded of a lecturer at my Bible school. His name was Hans-Peter Royer. He was a very gifted um, communicator, very practical person. I, I really, really appreciated him because he kind of thought like an atheist in some ways. Um, and he made sense of scripture in a very like practical form. And he recounted a story of how he was a student at Cape and Wright decades before mm-hmm. Um, and he was listening to the lecture and he was just amazed by it, by what was being said, but he was frustrated at the same time. And he went up to the lecturer and I don't remember the subject that was being taught, but he went up to the lecturer and he said, how does God do these things? Hmm. And the lecturer responded, it's not how he does them. It's who does it. And then he replied, well, how does the who do it? 
<laughs> and I really do feel most of the time that when I hear the word how being applied to the Bible, there's there's a question that we're asking that's very honest. And I think it's a, a, a meaningful question. It's not a bad question, but there is a level of like the scripture doesn't present uh, uh, an answer to the question how in the way we want the answer how to be presented to us. The lecturer that this um, Hans-Peter Royer recounts is completely right in saying it's not how he how it's done, it's who does it. It's very true. And like there's a level of like we have to, can we trust that the Lord does do this? Can we believe that the Lord does do this? And not be caught up in like, how these things happen. Um, I remember in uh, the book of Mark, it says the kingdom of God is like a seed that a farmer plants in his field and he goes to sleep at night and he knows not how, but the seed grows. And it's a really, really important thing that I think we can, I think it's a very good question to ask how. So don't if you're out there and you're just frustrated by what I'm saying, then I totally get that because I was that way. I, I still am that way sometimes. It's okay to be asked that question and engage in that question. But ultimately, God sometimes doesn't tell us how things work. It's just, this is who I am. It's not mm -hmm. about how I do things. About It's about who I am. Do you trust that I do these things? Mm -hmm. Do you trust that I care about you and where I'm trying to take you? And so... Uh, to answer the question very directly, I don't know how the spirit does it. I'm just going to say that. I, mm -hmm. I think it's a. I think it's on some level a mystery. It for me, it comes down to whether or not I want the God who does these things, and more than wanting to be able to rationalize how things work. Um, so yeah. So I really don't know. I don't know how I do that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's true that it's a mystery. Um, I think this is something where we're like, okay, I know that God does this thing. I don't fully understand it. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get a full explanation. Mm -hmm. Like the Bible doesn't offer us that. Um, but I do think we can look at the examples that we have in front of us and say, okay, well, it doesn't seem to be this. Um, so in applying it to this question, I look at, um, right, like Jesus operated in multiple gifts, right? Like he did multiple of these things. And other people throughout history have too. So that makes me think, okay, well, it's not just you have one gift. Like Christian was talking about someone who had a gift of healing that manifested itself over and over again. But I don't think it means, okay, God's only going to work in this one person this one way. Um, and so to me that says, you know, a, like a specific believer might operate in different gifts at different times. Um, that's not going to be like, fully explained maybe to them um but we have to trust that god does want to work in us this way i think mm -hmm. i think answering the how question even as what we don't see as true is helpful because it forms what we expect mm -hmm. right so when we're praying we need to know what we're expecting um when we're praying for these things to build up other people yeah i think too it's like um you know god does not distribute these gifts based off of our strengths mm -hmm. or based off of our preferences. Mm -hmm. um, he distributes these gifts based off of our situations, mm -hmm. our circumstances, and the needs that are around us. And so, you know, somebody might be like, oh, I feel totally comfortable praying for someone to be healed, but I don't feel comfortable, you know, um, going up and teaching somebody or confronting somebody or mm -hmm. um, giving them a word. But the thing is, is like, well, say say what needs to happen is the person in front of you needs to be confronted. Mm -hmm. um, God says, I want you to do that. And that, mm -hmm. and that's the situation. Mm -hmm. That's, and that's why they're even called grace mm -hmm. gifts is it's not about us or our abilities. It's about God giving us um, a supernatural ability, ability without ourselves, one that we don't have within us mm -hmm. to, to do something um, for his glory. Mm -hmm. And that, um, and actually, for us to operate in our weaknesses and for us to ask God to, to gift us, you know, ultimately, when we pray for someone to be healed, it's an admission of, well, we can't do this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's true in all of these different circumstances, you know. Um, and so I think it's important to just realize, you know, it's not about our talents. 
um, that God gives us these gifts. And these gifts, all, while they are an expression of God's love to us, while they do say like, you know, God loves me or God loves the person I want to give this gift to, um, I think a lot of other times we can think of somebody as having these gifts or God working through them. And we think, oh, that person's a really spiritual person. Hmm. That person's really good. Um, God can gift people um, with great gifts, and they totally miss the boat. Yeah. And, um, you know, Matthew 7, Matthew, uh, I think Matthew, yeah, Matthew 7, I think. Yeah, it's Matthew 7. He uh, says, there's this part where Jesus says um, that people will come to the, to the gates of heaven um, mm-hmm. at the end days, and he'll send them away. And they'll say, hey, did we not prophesy in your name and do many miracles and mm-hmm. um, drive out demons? Like These are things that only God would do through his gifts. And Jesus says, you never knew me. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that these people um, took like the work they did for God as evidence of their intimacy with God mm-hmm. or the ways that God moved through them. Mm-hmm. They took that as the as God approving of them or loving them. But in truth, that's not the way that we're to orient towards mm-hmm. God. And that God might move mightily through us. He might give us great gifts. And they are an expression of love to us and to others. But not in a sense that we're special mm-hmm. or not in a sense that um, this is the foundation of our intimacy. You know, I mean, it'd be similar, right? Like. Just because my wife um, gives me a gift, right, at Christmas, um, it does probably mean she loves me, right? <laughs> but all of a sudden... Hopefully. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she, get, right, she gives me a lift, gift because she loves me, or I give yeah. her a gift because I love her. But ultimately, it's not like, oh, good, you got me a gift. We're good now. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. to, to say, I got this gift. Oh, they got me the... This is good. The iPod Shuffle. I don't know. They don't oh. use those anymore. Oh. Whatever. Anyway, they got me the. Uh, oh. How do you date yourself? Yeah, that's right. What, what, what's the equivalent now? Uh, an iPhone. Your iWatch. iWatch. Seriously? No. Yeah, that's. Yeah, an iWatch. I would say. iWatch. An i okay. iPod. Okay. iPod. What did you say? What did you say, Cassie? An I iPhone. Mean, just an iPhone. Okay. Probably. Yeah. yeah, an iPhone RS. I just made that what? up. Okay, so I just, I don't no. know, they have these letters after all the iPhones now. Anyway, but, you know, like, the point is, is, like, somebody gives you a gift, and while it is an expression of their love, the gift itself is not the intimacy, mm-hmm. right? There has to be something deeper and more long-term other than just the gift. And so I think we make this huge mistake, especially as Americans, where we really value, you know, what we do you know, our job, our employment, our function. Um, God loves us way more than our function or the things that we'll do for him. And so um, these gifts are expression of love, but they aren't um, an expression of we're intimate, we're close. This is a godly person. Mm-hmm. God can use anybody, anybody to do these things. And it's it's wonderful, and we should pursue to be used by God this way, but, but it would be wrong for us to build our foundation of our relationship based off of the way that he uses us. Mm-hmm. I think just to summarize what you're saying, like we shouldn't look at someone operating in these gifts and assume, oh, they're a very mature Christian. That's the ideal. Absolutely. Right? Like we should look at them and be like, hey, it's really good that they're being obedient to God in the way that they're using that. Hopefully that's true. But that's actually what's more important, right? Is if God is entrusting this to them and they're responding. That's a sign of maturity, like seeking out to be used by the Holy Spirit is a sign of maturity, but not the enablement itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, you know, you think about it too, right? Like like the guy, let's go back to the guy healing the guy um, with the leg, right? He prays for the guy to get his broken leg healed. Um, you know, the guy that prayed that might be like, whoa, God thinks I'm really cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, I prayed and this guy's leg was healed. And the guy whose broken leg was healed, he might be like, whoa, God really likes this man. He prayed for me and my leg was healed. But in actuality, God could be like, dang, I really like that guy with the broken leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and so it's, it. we mm-hmm. can sometimes like misplay, like mm. we read into God's affirmations where it's like, these are, these are gifts that we are blessed to experience. But, but when we read into 
his um, his approval of a person's lifestyle into these things. Or, and that's why we get a lot of people who do miraculous things that teach amazing, um, that bring so many people to know the Lord. And then we find out, what, this person's having an affair or this person's mm-hmm. doing all these wrong things. It isn't because God is approving of that person's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God wants to see transformation happen in this world. Mm-hmm. And he's even willing to use um, somebody really sinful. And um, so just because we pray and something happens or we see God use us in these ways, it, we still need to watch our life. Mm-hmm. You know, we still need to have a close walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Or or like you said, Cassie, you see somebody doing these things. It doesn't mean like, well, we got to follow this person. This person's used by mm-hmm. by God. Like, well, he's being used by God, but doesn't mean he's all there. You know, um, yeah. we still have to be careful. We have to follow God more than that person. Yep. Uh, there's a few thoughts that I've had um, in all this. Um, one is, is like just what you were saying just now, Christian. I think there's a level of like, that person that healed the broken leg, I would hope that that person would be like, that their imagination for how God can use them would be widened. Yeah. It's like, wow, God can use me in this way. And so I need to be available to be used this way. Yeah. And not, almost not viewing it as like one and done, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. like God can just, use me this way and like developing that level of confidence in that capacity. Um, another thing I thought of is like, you know, uh, I, Christian, you said that, um, gifts are kind of almost instant, uh, uh, for a moment or instant, but there is a level of like permanence that it also exists, but, uh, like what do you the mean? permanence in the sense of like, um, so there's a guy, that uh, Christian, I I think maybe you've met him. His name is Dr. Houston. And he asked the Lord to give him a gift. And the Lord kind of gave him this gift of ins- insight or uh, a gift of knowledge, gift of wisdom. And when he would talk to people, he would just be like, hey, like, I think, is this kind of something that's been going on with you? And like, he would just more or less what we would say consistently be able to do that and he's been able to do that for a number of years but the reality is is that unlike material gifts maybe in our culture these are gifts that god chooses to give and retract based on his will and so from our perspective it's permanence from god's perspective it's like it's it's still an allowance Mm -hmm. it's not that i've guaranteed that you're always going to be able to do this because maybe that's not what's needed in this moment. Mm -hmm. You think it is. It's what you're confident in, but it's actually not what my body here needs. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to that availability thing. And it goes back to like, hey, God, I don't know what these people need right now. Can you help me understand, discern what is needed and then help me to be humble enough to be faithful enough to be used in a way that maybe I'm not super confident about being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I think it's an aspect of dying of self, you know, is like I have to operate in things that I'm not confident in, but God has trusted me to be in a place that I'm not confident in. Um, yeah. The last thing the last thing about this question of how, you know, an analogy came to mind. If I, if I go up to Christian and I ask, hey, Christian, can you get me a cup of coffee? And, you know, Christian's, like, nice enough to be, like, to, to fuel my drug addiction. He often um, is. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, you know, he'll get up from his chair, he'll walk over to the coffee machine, he'll pour a cup, and then he'll give it to me. And the thing is, we take, actually, that whole event somewhat for granted because we understand that it's like, oh, yeah, of course Christian can walk. Oh, yeah, of course Christian can pick up a coffee carafe and pour it. Oh, yeah, he can do blah, 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 blah. Well, maybe we're talking about a similar relationship of trust, one that I'm like, coffee is a kind person, he's going to give me a cup of coffee, but... And so he's going to use the faculties that he has in order to accomplish that goal mm-hmm. that I've requested of him. Similarly, in our relationship with God, we're dealing with someone who has faculties and capacities that is able to administer gifts. Mm-hmm. 
But the thing is, is that his faculties and capacities are something that are harder for us to comprehend, I think, uh, uh, imagine or or get our heads around because it's not walking. We're very familiar with walking. We're very familiar with so many things about Christian getting me that cup coffee. We can imagine him wa- oper- we can imagine Christian operating in that way. We kind of distrust the Lord in being in limiting our imagination of what God can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I remember um, you know, we look at the parting of the Red Sea for example, and I really do think that sometimes uh, we look at Sorry, slow down. I'm thinking about the parting of the Red Sea. And the Israelites are pinned between the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army. And they're going to get massacred. And their imagination is so limited about what God can do that the solution that they came up with, the end result that they had of this moment, was simply, we're going to die. Mm -hmm. And Moses is the only one that was listening to hear that God is like, hey, actually, I'm like... Let me do something bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, thankfully, Moses was there uh, <laughs> to listen, yeah. you know, to be available to have bigger things happen. But, like, you know, we're, we're very cynical about ourselves, I think, is part of it. You know, God can't use me. God can't forgive me. God can't. God can't. God can't. God can't. Mm-hmm. And we, we cling to the things that we're very familiar with. Mm-hmm whether those are good things or bad things. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, so that analogy of relationship, it's like we're dealing with someone who has capacities, who's eternal, who's infinite in love, who whose intentions are unshakable mm-hmm. and whose capacities are beyond our imagining. Yeah. And we're asking that person to do these things. And sometimes we're not asking according to his will. And that's just that's just a fight you won't win. Um, (laughs) And I don't recommend you winning it um, because the Israelites willed things and bad things happened and it wasn't good. So, yeah, I think I think, you know, kind of like what you're talking about is that, you know, and we talked about this, I think, in our miracles podcast a, a while ago, but it's just that even the ordinary is something that is a gift from God. Mm, you know, yeah. it's like when we see God act in these ways that are miraculous for us or amazing for us, the truth is, is that all of existence is a miracle upon mm-hmm. which God is working. For God, yeah. it's just all working. He, he's just sustaining all of it. And for him to do something different, that's just part of his creative act. Mm-hmm. Um but from our perspective, it's miraculous. It's outside of the norm, but it's well within like God's ability to, to do these things. And um, it reminds me, you know, kind of like, you know, one of the things that you said in there, Nathan, is just like how there's this ongoing giftedness and that um, sometimes these spiritual gifts, like when you're talking about the James Houston, is um, that he will give people a gift that seems to define the person, that mm-hmm. seems to be something they operate in for their whole life. And... Um, and I think that's actually not uncommon. I think it's mm-hmm. actually pretty common yeah. for people to have that kind of a gifting. Um, so James Houston, he had this ability. I, I saw him one time. He he just had this ability to like, like he would ask, he would always go up to a person and every time he'd go up to a person, he'd ask the Lord, like, what do you want to say to this person? And it wasn't like, it wasn't like he knew anything about the person. It was yeah. just God would whisper something to say. And I saw him come up to this small group. I was, we were. He was teaching at this conference. I'm at this. We're we're debriefing one of his talks, and he comes up and he talks to the guy sitting right next to me. And this guy's kind of a hard guy. He's not like very sensitive, and he just asks him a question and he says something. And then Dr. Houston says this thing, and I just see the guy break down like in a puddle on the ground. Like he just is like weeping, and it's like, oh my goodness, how did he do that? And I think that was kind of his his experience. Mm-hmm. That was kind of Dr. Houston's experience, yeah. that he would walk from people to people and say things, and they would just break down for the good of themselves. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he would yeah. just penetrate something with this word that the Lord would give them. You know, um, I really feel like when I became a Christian, God gave me the like ability to communicate mm-hmm. like pretty well, you know, and so now I, I speak a lot, you know, and um, part of my role is like to teach. Um, 
and to communicate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think really quick, I was, I started, you know, I could take that for granted or think, yeah, this is something I have within me, um, the ability to communicate. But just, just, um, just this last year, I was talking to somebody and it was kind of a tense thing. And I go to try to smooth it over. I go to try to speak for God and God did not want me to smooth it over. Mm. And I tried and what came out of my mouth was nonsense. Like it didn't make any sense. Like, and it wasn't getting through. I was like, what is happening? Mm. And it was just a realization, like, I am way more, like, trusting in God's provision and his grace than I thought. Like, if God wants to take away our ability to speak, he'll take it away. Mm-hmm. And so so sometimes these gifts can be these supernatural occurrences, kind of like you're saying, like mm-hmm. these, these healings or these exorcisms or mm-hmm. these words of faith. or But sometimes they can be these long-term mm-hmm. things, you know. Like some people were called the pro- a prophet or mm-hmm. the healers mm-hmm. or something in the in the Bible, and so yeah, I'm trying to remember Saint John of the Cross actually like, oh gosh, what was it? He actually like did not want the gifts God had because he wanted to love God more than the gifts that God gave him, mm-hmm. and I think that and he was a very I like him a lot. <laughs> um, he's he's very gifted, very. Uh, just very gifted writer and communicator and spiritual director and Mm -hmm. just very, very gifted. And yet he tapped into the fact, it's like, I know I can be tempted to love the gift and not the giver. And I think as Christians, we tend to, as Americans, we tend to love the gift more than the giver. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of Christmas, it just happened. My nephews and nieces are way happier with their quad and two dirt bikes. I th- well, no, I love my nieces and nephews. I'm, okay. But like, you know, my nieces and nephews might be tempted to love their quad and dirt bikes more than their parents that gave it to them. I think really quickly before we move on, um, a lot of what we were talking about in terms of like, hey, teaching could be a gift or this gift of insight um, could be like this special thing that God has for a person. I think Romans 12 talks about that a lot. Um, like teaching and giving are named as spiritual gifts in that passage. So it might be another one to look at if you're curious about this. Um, but all of these things are special enablements that are extraordinarily given from God. They're not things that are in us. I think we can tend to think of like, oh, this was natural. Like this is something I've always had. But even that is given from God. So we're thinking about these things in that context too. Mm-hmm. Like administration. Mm-hmm. Like some people are yeah. really gifted at administration, but... And they might think, oh, it's just how I'm, you know, they say I'm wired or this is something natural within me. But mm-hmm. that in itself is a, yeah, it's a gift. It's, it's a gift, gift God. that God has given them and it's a capacity he's blessed them with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the list that we looked at in 1 Corinthians 12 um, talks a lot about supernatural gifts. Um, so I wanted to take us through those. Um, to see what kinds of things uh, are possible, like to widen our perspective of what God might want to do through us and give to others. Um, Please bear with us. We're not perfect. We don't know all that God's going to do through these kinds of gifts. So we'll try and give definitions, but they may not be perfect. Um, We don't want to limit what God wants to do. I think think it's hard to do this kind of thing too, because we often don't think of these gifts as like separate. Like this is a specific thing that God does in us, but we our approach is to be open to whatever it is that God wants to do through us. And so we tend to be like, okay, I need to be open to whatever it is rather than praying for a specific thing necessarily. But I do think it's helpful to see, okay, these are the kinds of things that God has offered to his church. Um, So let's start. Uh, I think the first one is a message of wisdom. Yeah. So the first, the first two are the message of wisdom or an utterance or message of knowledge. And I think the difference between the two is, um, you know, this message of wisdom or this idea of wisdom, it's kind of like wisdom is about a way of living. Like, and it's, it's in general, like, you know, um, kind of like this is, you know, it's kind of like seeing into a situation and offering somebody a direction. Does that make sense? Like, it's kind of a way of wisdom, like, um, like somebody might be struggling with something and then God could gift somebody with the wisdom of how to go through, you know, like Solomon was gifted with wisdom mm-hmm. and there was this situation where he had the judge about this child that had died. And this one, these two women had, um, two children and one 
killed their own child on accident, and but she claimed this other child was hers, and they had to figure it all out. And and Solomon, you know, he said, "All right, I'm gonna split this child in half. Let's cut it up, and you can take one half, and you take the other." Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the women said, "Fine, that's fine with me." And the other woman was like, "No, she no. can have him." And that that was a statement of who's the real mother here, mm-hmm. and um, that. There was no knowledge. There was no. He didn't know whose the real mother was, but it was a way of wisdom, right? It was a, the means of, of going forward. So, um, so sometimes maybe I'm struggling with something, and somebody gives me a word of wisdom, you know, and helps me through something. Mm-hmm. Where a message of knowledge, um, is more like if some like like Jesus had a message of knowledge about this Samaritan woman, right? Mm-hmm. He meets this Samaritan woman. Um, at the well? At the at a well, yeah. And uh, and so she's talking to him. They've never talked before. And um, they start a, a conversation. And uh, then she's like, oh, I want this living water that you're talking about. And he's like, go, go ask for your husband and come back. And she's like, oh, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus says, well, no, you're right. You have five husbands. And, Snap. And she's like, whoa. And she did. She had five husbands, you know. And so... She goes later into the village after she feels like God has, like, you know, after Christ has forgiven her and after Christ has, like, done something for her. Um, she has this sense, and uh, she goes back to this village, and she tells the whole village, come talk to this man who told me everything I ever did. You know, like, and there's a sense of this guy didn't know, you know, and it's this message of knowledge, this idea that God might gift us with something to know, Um that might help in a situation. You know, for instance, I heard about this one time where a, a guy walked onto a plane and a, a strong Christian, and he was walking on a plane and he saw a guy sitting in a seat. Like he was sitting in one seat and the seat next to him was empty. And on the guy's head was written the word adultery. Whoa. And the guy's like, what? And then he looks at his ticket and he's sitting right next to that guy. Yeah. And he sits down. Or, um, and then, uh, and then he sits down next to him and he's like, I don't know what to do or whatever. And they start talking a little bit, just kind of making small talk. And all of a sudden God brings a girl's name into his mind. And he says, Hey, this is going to sound kind of weird. This kind of, I don't know. I'm a Christian and, but does this name mean anything to you? And then the guy just breaks down because he had just had an affair with this one woman with this name and he's just like I don't know what to do and the guy was able to pray with him and like like lead him to the Lord and help him like confess this sin he'd just done anyway mm. that's a miraculous thing right I mean that would be amazing that'd be crazy yeah. um, but uh, but that's the kind of that's a, a word of knowledge or a message of knowledge mm-hmm. those are kind of scary <laughs> but so you know, cool. So it'd be pretty cool. It'd be it, those God's cool glory. moments. Yeah. yeah. But those aren't moments. You know, I think it's important. That guy didn't get on the plane thinking, "What guy can I convict of his affair today?" You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like that was just the Lord had a plan, mm-hmm. and it was up to this man to be obedient to walk in um, the way that that mm-hmm. He called him to do it. Yeah. So, uh, so the next one is faith. And I think when I think about this, I tend to look at examples in the Bible because I'm like, okay, well, all Christians have faith, right? Like, this doesn't seem like that extraordinary of a thing. Um, But if the spiritual gifts are these special enablements, then it must be a special circumstance of faith. Um, So I tend to look at examples of, like, for example, Gentiles who approached Jesus and believed um, that he would heal them or would um, fix a situation in their lives. Um, I think... I can't remember the woman's nationality, but she approaches Jesus and he's like, hey, I'm here first for the Jews and you're not one. Um, and she's like, well, I still believe that you're going to you're going to help me. You can. Um, and he's like, OK, then I, I will. Your faith there is. is the reason. Um, and so I think of things like that or or Simon Peter walking on water. Um, right. Which we could mm-hmm. say is a miracle, but is also like this example of faith. Like, that's the reason behind why he's able to walk on water. And then when his faith fails him, um, suddenly he's not able to anymore. So that's what I tend to think of in this case. Yeah. Um, The next 
one that Paul uh, talks about is uh, gifts of healing. And <clears throat> I think we all kind of have a sense of like what we mean by healing. Um, but one of the things I think is um, not really talked about, we usually think about like physical healings. We usually think about like, you know, um, you know, the broken light, uh, people being healing, healed, like the paralytic being healed or, um, gosh, I, I heard about one girl. Oh, I knew I knew a girl who was born deaf and now she can hear. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, just things like that. But there's actually another form of healing that I think is actually really important to our culture, which is spiritual healing and mental healing. So in, uh, in our context, uh, of the nation that we're in, like, I think God is actually wanting to do a lot more spiritual healing and a lot more, um, healing in that way, because we live in such a, priv uh, a privileged place, uh, where we have like modern medicine and things like that. And we, um, uh, but the Lord, yeah, the Lord just wants to do a lot of spiritual healing, which I think we don't give enough credit to. So I actually would consider forgiveness, like God's forgiveness of sins, act an act of spiritual healing mm -hmm. that he does. Yeah. Not to say he doesn't want us to ask for physical healing. Not yeah. that he does not want us to ask yeah. for it. But I think it's a little less common maybe in our culture because we just have medical. We have medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, the next one on the list was uh, working of miracles. And uh, I think the working of miracles is just kind of a catch-all of like when you see something miraculous, you know, that's a gift of the, the spirit. Um, working in somebody and you know it could be something like you know we talked about you know like jesus turning water into wine that that's pretty miraculous or um you know i can imagine uh times where maybe somebody uh you know eats something they shouldn't and they're fine or um just just different ways different kinds of miracles that could happen um different kind of amazing things so it's just kind of a catch-all word and i think it's important even maybe just to say at this point that, you know, even in preparing this talk, we were talking about, hey, where does one gift end and the other begin? And mm -hmm. like, is this miracle? Is this the gift of miracles or the gift of healing? And the point isn't that these are like supposed to be categorized. Yeah. The point is that it's just God gifting however he wants. Mm -hmm. And that honestly, this list isn't exhaustive and um, God God's going to work in whatever way he wants to. And we just need to be open to, to the diversity of ways that he wants to, to operate in. Mm -hmm. So the next one is prophecy. Um, and I think of that as like a message often to a community. Um, like we hear of the prophets in the Old Testament and they're saying, hey, you know, God wants you to repent, <laughs> Israel. Um, and so they do or do not respond to that. Um, so we can think of prophecy as um, as uh, thinking about the future and, and sharing that message with other people, but it can also be uh, a message for the present. Um, for example, like those prophets in the Old Testament are saying, hey, right now, here's the reality. Here's what God wants you to change. And here are the consequences in the future if you don't. Um, so it is both. It's, it's a foretelling into the present, but also a foretelling into the future. Um, and so God can gift us with messages of prophecy uh, that are meant to be shared with other people um, and discernible and understandable to them. Um, the next one is uh, the discernment of spirits, um, which I do similar to what Christian was saying was like, there's kind of this blending of these gifts. And like, I, I do feel that discernment of spirits is kind of prophetic in nature. Um, the, the best example I can think of uh, about the discernment of spirits is uh, St. Anthony of the Desert, who lived in like 380, something like that. Um, and he specifically says, pray for the discernment of spirits. And what he was very engaged in doing is actually perceiving where things were coming from, essentially. So there's a story where he is going up a mountain and he sees like, I think it's a pile of gold or something like that. And he was like, that's just natural. That's just a natural temptation. That's just the world tempting me to like forgo like my faith and wow. and that's just the world. And then he goes a little bit further on and then there's this other form of wealth. And he's like, nope, that's an evil spirit. Hmm. Wow. And he just labels it. And um, there's people and what I've observed is that there's people. It's kind of like Dr. Houston. It's like he can kind of see like 
this person is functioning out of woundedness. This person's like living in, uh, uh, is functioning out of woundedness or functioning out of pride or functioning out of uh, these things. And like, they can, he, they can kind of discern like what's going on inside of a person and even go as far as to like see some people even see like demonic people, which is not as necessarily extravagant as it might sound. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, there's like actually an evil, there's like a demonic presence that's actually operating in this moment mm-hmm. um, and is uh, has um, taken liberties that the Lord doesn't want to want that spirit to have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the next one is um, the various kinds of tongues. And so um, we're going to talk about that, I think, a lot more next week because it's a little bit different it's a little weirder and people usually like a little more explanation on that but just kind of shorthand it's like god will gift somebody with a language to praise god in and it might be an actual different language in the world or it might be like just an angelic language something that nobody can understand but utters the praises of god it's it's a way that we can pray that the spirit prays through us and uh, sometimes it's you know, every believer. It says it says um, in the in the Bible that every believer can um, can have this gift. You know, when the Lord gives it to them um, for their own private like prayer life. You know, um, but then there's this other aspect that maybe God calls some people to pray in tongues for the community and um, and that like in public, like in public, like at a church service or. Um, and that it should be done in a way um, that glorifies God. And we're going to talk about that all a little bit more next week. But but um, but just kind of one story about it. I, I heard about one time where um, somebody was going up front in a, in a church service, and um, they were speaking, and the Lord told them to go up there. And um, he was speaking, and he didn't, like, he was moving his hands and stuff. He was doing things, and he, but he was just really mostly thinking about how he was speaking um, or, or praying something, I can't remember. And um, this deaf person in the audience was watching the person's hands because the person didn't know it, but they were communicating in sign language Whoa. the whole time to this deaf person. And that deaf person was so blessed and just, oh, God was speaking. You know, this God was using this gift of tongues to this deaf person. And it just was an express, a special expression that that led to the glory of God um, in that situation. So, mm-hmm. so that would be like an example. That's kind of an odd example, but that's something, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next one is related, and that's interpretation of tongues. Um, so usually we see this in the context of someone has gone up front in, in a public church service and has given some kind of message in a tongue, um, probably that most of the congregation doesn't understand. And so then the interpreter Um, someone else in the congregation probably would be given a gift of interpreting what has been said. Um, So the idea then is to make that message intelligible to the rest of the group so that it can glorify God. Um, Because it's harder to do that when you don't understand what the person's saying. Um, Yeah, so the interpreter then would step up and say, hey, also God has blessed me today. (laughs) Um, And here's what it sounds like this person is saying. Okay, so that's the end of the list in 1 Corinthians. Uh, But we should close with, like, why does it matter if we participate with the Spirit in these gifts? If it's not a sign of maturity or um, us being specially gifted, blessed by God because he loves us more than others, um, right? Like, why does it matter if we we pursue these gifts? I think um, the the main thought is is that, you know, Jesus went to you. um, Jesus had, had died and he rose again. And then he stayed with his disciples for 40 days. And then he um, met with them one last time. And he said, I'm going to send you out into the whole world. Um, and he said, but first, you need to go to Jerusalem and await for the gift that I've promised. And the gift was that the Spirit was going to come down and empower them. And this empowerment of the Spirit is how these gifts are manifested and so Jesus says, you know, he's given us all this call to like bring God's kingdom into the world. But he says, if we don't wait on the Lord, if we don't wait on the spirit, if we're not looking for the spirit to do this through us, 
um, in us speaking, seeking out these spiritual gifts, whether they be more natural ones or spiritual ones, um, that we shouldn't be going. And so this is the way that we're supposed to participate with the Spirit in the mission of God. And so um, that's why that's why I think this is really important, you know. And, and I think there's some people in the world that say, well, these things are kind of for the first century church. They aren't for today. There's nothing in the Bible that says that they didn't continue. And um, Christians throughout the centuries have been experiencing um, these, these, these charisma, like uh, these grace gifts um, in their ministries. Um, for a long time, so much so that all three of us around the room have different instances or stories, or maybe we've even seen it with our own eyes of God doing these miraculous things. And, um, you know, God is seeking to like permeate the world in his spirit and his grace and his giftedness. And so if we, if we don't participate with the spirit, if we don't seek as a community or as individuals for this gifting or for him to move through us, then we're going to be doing it on our own power, our own will, our own direction. And um, Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to build our own kingdom. He wants us, um, he wants to build his kingdom um, mm-hmm. through us. So I think um, if my parent was like, hey, Nathan, here's a shovel and I want you to go dig a hole in the backyard. And I'm like, why am I digging a hole in the backyard? And, he's, and they're just like, don't worry about it. Just go dig a hole. In the backyard, um, if I don't go do what they are doing, then I'm actually missing part of the relationship with my parent. Mm-hmm. And I think actually to 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 answer the question, my answer to the question of why we should be doing that is just like I think a number of Christians are like, well, I read my Bible, you know, I pray and things like that. I was like, but there's another part of your relationship with the Lord that you're not doing. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is saying, like, no, I, I have these things for you to exercise, gifts for you to employ, mm-hmm. um, things that I want to do in the world. And you're opting not to do them. Mm-hmm. That's a broken relationship there. Yeah. St. John of the Cross calls, like, you know, our our dedicatedness to scripture and prayer and fasting, all these things is like, they're not bad. But if all we're doing is that it's gluttony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like using one thing that we've talked a lot in Chi Alpha is like, you know, we don't want to be gluttons of this, of spirituality, quote unquote. We want to exercise the spirit, the use mm-hmm. of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like the Lord, if the Lord is like, hey, I'm going to give you this. If that man on the plane had been given the gift of seeing adultery and the name of a woman and didn't do it, the Lord would have been like, I forgive you and I love you. But man, you, that's, there's a tension there. Mm-hmm. Like, and that other guy isn't a Christian <laughs> because you and didn't like, participate. And yeah. And there's like, you, you missed out not only on helping this man, but your maturity is actually not grown either mm-hmm. Yeah, in using the spirit yeah. and operating according to my will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and the Lord forgives but we shouldn't send so grace abounds. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think in our culture especially, this challenges what we think of the church. Um, and what I mean by that is we're such an individualistic culture. Like I grew up thinking, okay, if I believe in God, that's it. Like I can, I don't need to really go to church even because, you know, my relationship with God is what matters. And I think this really challenges us to see that we are, supposed to build up other people in their faith um, and to serve others, whether they're Christians or not. Um, Like, I imagine the difference would be, okay, there's a church service and everyone comes and they come to get whatever the speaker has for them, right? They come to enjoy the worship time um, and then they leave and that's it. But there's so much more if we all come with something to give. Right. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if everyone prayed before the service, hey, God, like I'm open to whatever you want to give to me to pass off to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's a totally different picture of the church. Yeah. Right. Like everyone has come to give something, not just the people on stage. Yeah. Um, we're all ready and listening to God and participating with him. Yeah. And God can do so much more in mm-hmm. that environment. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what gets me excited in talking about this is yeah. like we have to know that this is available. We have to know that. 
God wants to empower us in this way and to to reach other people through us. Um, but we have to choose to participate. And so I think that's the invitation today yeah. is like, okay, if we're all open to that um, and we're all pursuing that and trusting God that he wants to, that he's good enough to want to give good gifts to his church, like imagine the difference in the yeah. time that we spend together. Absolutely. So let's end there. Uh, Christian and Nathan, thank you so much for joining me today. This one was really fun. Uh, if you're out there listening, we hope that this has inspired you to pray for the gifts of the Spirit. Feel free to email us with comments, questions, or topic suggestions at social at OregonStateXA.com or reach out to one of us in person. Have a great week, and remember, the Holy Spirit wants to give good gifts through you to others and through others to you. Thank you.